Today, um, I'm excited to talk about sowing seeds of unity. That's the title of today's message, the direction of today's message, sowing seeds of unity. Y'all calm down, you're way too excited, somebody. Philippians chapter 2 is where we'll spend uh, our time in just a few moments, but I want you to think about unity and the power of unity. It's a small five-letter word, but it's an incredible dynamic in one's life, personally, in our relationships. But you would also know this in any healthy organization or a startup business or a, a sports team or any time a group, a collective gets together and there's unity something remarkable begins to happen. And Psalm 133, verse 1, so chapter 133 in the Psalms, verse 1, it makes this statement. How good and how pleasant it is when God's people dwell together in what? Unity. Spiritually speaking, I believe it's the divine advantage in and over our lives, where we can cultivate, where we can create relationships, families, organizations, churches, units of living, if you will, that dwell together underneath a common vision, a common goal, a common purpose. And what happens is we actually invite God's blessing in and over our lives. And sometimes when we think about unity, sometimes we can think far out far away from us. The reality is, I believe God invites us as his children to participate in sowing seeds of unity. Unity is a byproduct. I want you to think about that. It's a byproduct. Just how irritation is a byproduct of lack of sleep, of being hungry. Unity is a byproduct of Humility, a byproduct of grace, unprecedented kindness, compassion, and a willingness to serve others. It's a culture that's created by walking in unison, together towards a common goal. There's a blessing that's involved. And my prayer, my encouragement for you, is that you would participate, that you would begin to practice a lifestyle of sowing seeds of unity. And I'm not just trying to be positive messaging you or, you know, happy-go-lucky thoughts. I believe, I've experienced, I've had to learn to sow seeds of unity. I don't know about you, but Discord, I didn't have to practice nearly as hard as I did unity. But I've noticed something as I've drawn closer to Christ and I've, I've begun to practice surrendering more and more to His will, His ways over my life. It's almost like a transition, a transformation has happened where I find myself sowing far more seeds of unity than seeds of discord. And so I wanted to encourage you today, begin to identify yourself as someone who sows seeds of unity. You may be, look, I don't want to be 
someone who sows seeds of unity. I'm so well-versed in sowing seeds of discord. And by the way, every company needs a good critic. And so I signed up years ago. I've been practicing for decades now. I get that. I, I, I want to encourage you. Be a critic. Critique. But sowing seeds of unity, here's what it means. Even when you're right, you're willing to surrender for the sake of relationship. We'll talk in a little bit of what, what I'm saying when I say be someone who sows unity versus somebody who sows discord. And we'll talk a little bit of what unity is and what unity isn't. But think with me now of a culture that you've experienced. Maybe you grew up in a family of unity. Kelly and I have been so blessed in our upbringing. Our parents sowed seeds of unity in and over our life. When I would come barging in to the family room and try to knock the TV over because they weren't playing my movie, my parents would let me know, son, you're about to get the right hand of discipline with this wooden spoon. And so even from a young age, it just began to form within me. Listen, you're not a chaos creator. You weren't destined for discord. You've been destined by the hand of Almighty God to unify, to reconcile, to care, to love, and to serve others. Doesn't mean you can't have an opinion. Doesn't mean you, your words don't matter. Doesn't mean you silently walk by when you should be speaking up. No, 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 no. But the overarching narrative of our, of our lives is to be people that unify, that can actually carry the ministry of reconciliation. As Paul, probably one of the most passionate, one of the most in-your-face evangelists ever, and wrote most of the New Testament. He's the one addressing Corinthians. He's the one critiquing and calling out. But he carried within himself the spirit that unified for the sake of the gospel. The spirit that unified and reminded people, listen, you're beloved of God. You're made in his image. And we want to be people who carry this. So I think about my prayer for you is that you would be a person who practices sowing seeds of unity. Philippians chapter 2. we got three verses for you here, verses 2 through 5. Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and he says, Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain Conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of who? Of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I love this. So he casts a vision for unity. Well, what does unity look like? It's like-minded, not identically <laughs> minded, but like-minded. Similar-minded, similar vision, similar spirit. How's that accomplished? It's accomplished by sowing seeds of unity. Having the same love, having one spirit and one mind. Well, how is this accomplished? No selfish ambition or vain conceit. Humility, valuing others above yourselves. Not only your own interests, but the interests of others. And here's what's, here's what's vitally important for us to understand. We can either willingly 
go to the altar, so to speak, of our lives, and let God begin to transform and transition. Or we can unwillingly go to the altar, kicking and screaming and being drugged by the Holy Spirit to be transformed. I've done both, all right? I've done both. God used two primary areas to begin to search my heart and to begin to invite me. Paul, I want you to begin to sow seeds of unity. I thought to myself, God, I'm a pretty perfect person. And then I got married. And I realized, oh, well, now we've got two opinions in the house. How's this going to work? You know, I had scriptures to kind of back up my opinion. Somebody, you ever been there? Maybe not. Y'all are holier than me. All right. You don't use the Bible as a weapon. I get it. Y'all are so good. All right. But I remember the Lord would pull me aside at times and ask me. It'd be like, Paul, man, could, could you just for one day, could you live a little higher? Could you just take the high road? No. No, I could not. I'm not giving up any ground, God. I don't want to give up any ground. Because, God, if I open that door, I'm going to get taken advantage of. It's just going to, it's going to be crazy. God, I'll never be able to dis- make any decisions ever. You know? And it, maybe y'all weren't having to be as adjusted as I was when I first got married. But it was, it was like the old sitcom for me. It was like the old sitcom of a bunch of things in my marriage that did not matter. I was playing Tony Danza in Who's the Boss? I was the boss. This random argument pop up. I would have to always have the last word. I would always have to have the strongest opinion. By God's grace, I had a louder voice so I could escalate. And and I'd have, you know, just arm movements. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Sort of. But I just had to have the last word. I had to have it. And, and, And I remember, thank the Lord for a great pastor in our lives. And Thank the Lord for great material out there. I had a, our first year of marriage, I had to stand back and be like, my goodness. How? How am I going to operate? If I'm called to love Kelly, if I'm called to cherish her, if I want our home to be a place of uh, abiding where unity is on the table, of common vision, of common goal, why am I using so many manipulative tactics? Why, why is anger always cro- encroaching upon every conversation I have? And the, the Lord just began to say, Paul, Paul you got to come aside. you got to come aside because no matter how spiritually minded you think you are, your heart is operating in a way I've not called it to operate. So he began to invite me. So just, just you know how it is. God is so loving, so tender, so in your face. It's a good thing. And he would just, he would just come up. So I began, there was just, just these sets of words. Maybe you need to hear. This may be worth the price of admission for you today. There's just a couple, couple of phrases I learned. I'm sorry. Two words change your world. Um, this one took a little bit longer. Just being transparent. You're right. That was important. I'm sorry. You're right. Uh, um, I love you came naturally. That is, of course, of course, of course I love you. I just have to win every argument. 
And I had to, I had to realize, am I so concerned over being right, having my opinion, showing that I'm in control, or am I willing to follow the words of Jesus and be transformed into his likeness? It's very important that every once in a while we begin to allow for the Holy Spirit to just maybe search, maybe not everywhere is necessary, but search some places of our heart where if we can look back in the history of our job or the history of our family or in the history of other relationships, can we see some threads? Listen, relationships aren't easy. I'm not, I'm not pointing any fingers here, but can we see somewhere along the line of at least we've been trying to sow seeds of unity, we've been trying to sow seeds of love? It's important that we do that. Ke- Kelly and I, we got, we, we, she has everything right. I don't have everything right when it comes to parenting. I'm still a work in progress and learning. But one thing we settled very early on is we have each other's back. We are a unified front when it comes to parenting our kids. And so if mama said it, it goes. If Papa Paul said it, it goes. Because we're a unified front, and it, and it changes the dynamic. Now there's two, so they, they're unified in how they're, they approach us. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's just one of us. And they're both coming towards us, and it's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hey, babe, you got to get home. I need backup. We, <laughs> you know. But again, again, practicing sowing seeds of unity, practicing sowing seeds of unity, sometimes with our kids, pull them aside. And I'm just, listen, I know i got to discipline you a lot. I know I'm coaching you through a lot. But can I just tell you I love you? Can I just tell you, man, there's sometimes the, the stuff you draw, the stuff you write, the schoolwork you're doing, it's incredible. You're just, just a gift from God. What is that moment? That's sowing seeds of unity. Sometimes, believe it or not, y'all, y'all probably going to fall out with what I'm about to say. You can show up to your workplace with a gift for your boss. You can pray. This is, I know, I know. You can pray for your workplace on your way into work. It can be the most divisive, most competitive, most comparison trap organized place you've ever seen. And you can be tempted on every side to hit quit, quit, quit. Hey, honey, I quit six times today. You know, <laughs> quit, 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 quit. And God's just saying, hey, <laughs> before you quit, sow seeds, sow seeds. I mean, you can have a boss and your back's against the wall, man, so to speak, and things are terrible. Just find something to begin to bring you guys together. Sometimes you got to make some stuff up. No, I'm kidding. Don't, don't, don't be that. But you just compliment. Just, just encourage. Can I tell you, I, I mean this, it will begin to pivot and change and transform the trajectory of your future. It really will. When a, when a family... Or when a marriage, and both spouses begin to practice sowing seeds of unity, beautiful things begin to take place. When it's, when it's not who's right, why I'm right, when it's not here's your record of wrongs, but it's continual. Hey, man, you needed extra grace today, didn't you? Well, you don't tell them that, but you just say, you know, I needed extra grace today. 
what begins to culminate despite all of our differences, despite all of our personality traits, and God can do something great. But notice, Psalm 133 doesn't give us all the instruction. It's just making a statement. Wow! When God's people could get together and live in unity, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. The same is true in your family. Wow! Opposites have attracted. That's obvious. Wow, okay. But what happens when they can begin to reconcile, quickly forgive, care for one another? Each of those moments, don't, don't minimize it. Those are holy moments where you're sowing seeds of unity, sowing seeds of unity, sowing seeds of unity, and God can do great things. I'm going to end with a, with a Bible story for you. Joshua chapter 6, Joshua chapter 7. And you can spend some time in the scriptures this week with it. I was studying and thinking about unity. This message has been pre-planned for several weeks and had it on my mind. And God gave me the two, two stories. Same big story, two little stories inside. Joshua and Jericho. Joshua and Jericho. Joshua was commanded and anointed and set apart by God after Moses had helped deliver Israel out of Egypt, God brought Joshua. Joshua was leading the people of Israel into their promised land. The first city is possibly a story you're familiar with called Jericho. The walls came tumbling down, and the city was delivered to them. All of Israel was on the same page. All of the military was on the same page, from your, your leader Joshua all the way down to the commanding officers. Everybody in unity. And notice, a huge, large city at the time, Jericho, the walls came tumbling down, and the city was given to them. It's a picture of the divine advantage of unity in our lives. And, if you will, inviting the blessings of God in our lives. The second story, see, Joshua, Jericho, the second story, Achan and Ai. It's a little less known story. Because most people, we celebrate the victories. Achan's not a superhero. Achan is a vessel of discord. After Jericho, God had some sincere commandments. Don't take nothing. Wipe it all out. Achan made some tweaks, interpreted things a little bit differently, and thought he knew better than what God had spoken through Joshua for the officers. And so Achan took some of the idols that were within the city of Jericho, and he pocketed them, and he hid them. And so Israel's on the cusp of a real small city called Ai, or I. Two letters, which indicates it is not only the reason, but it is a very small city. It should have, in comparison with Jericho, been a breeze. In fact, look at what's recorded about this city and about the spies and the report that they bring back. In, in verse 2 of chapter 7, it says this, Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Bethaven to the east of Bethel, and told them, Go up, spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. Can we... Yeah, there we go. When they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Well, why? For only a few people live there. So about 3,000 went up, but they were routed by the men. 
who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and stuck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. It's discord. It's disembodiment of vision. They could have been focused and set apart, had one mission, one common goal. And through one man's selfishness, through one man's, if you will, pocketing of the idols, they could not accomplish just an easy piece of vision that God had put them in touch with. Joshua 7, 10 through 12, after Joshua's moaning and groaning, crying out to the Lord, ripping his clothes, sackcloth and ashes, weeping before the Lord, God comes and says, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They've stolen. They've lied. They've put them with their own positions. It's kind of like, okay, God, get to the point. He did. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Achan's sin is a parallel for the seed of discord. Not only the seed of discord among one another, but a seed of discord between God. That God had set this group of people, Israel, to be holy, set apart for the kingdom of God. And I want you to think about even in your own life. Forget about unity with other people. Do you know that one of the enemy's tactics in and over your life is to send forth confusion? Do you know that he doesn't want you walking with a whole mind, with a whole body, with a whole identity where you know that you're the beloved, cared for of God? The moment you begin to step into unity between God and you, where you surrender, where you say, God, have all of me, and you walk in the ways that he's called for you to walk, it begins to unify. And here's what's crazy. It begins to bring a blessing in and through your life. So for a moment, it's important just to think about our own lives. How am I walking between unity with God? And notice that AI is a representation. I don't know if you've found, I'm a too big of a soccer fan and sports in general. And I love the underdog story. Any, any, anybody with me? Okay, nobody? Okay, good, 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 that's good. Right? I love, I mean, the St. Peter's run through March Madness. It has me fascinated. It's like, well, that shouldn't happen. <laughs> that shouldn't happen. Every round, I'm just like, this is crazy. It's the, it's, the, it's the underdog story. But it's remarkable that when a team gets together and unifies the great things that they can accomplish, when they work together in unity. But some teams, when egos get too big, when they start taking the ball into their hands, they're going to make something happen instead of abiding by what the coach may have coached them through. They can't even beat teams they supposed to beat, teams they should beat. The same is true often in our lives. I don't know if you've ever done this. I have. 
gone through a season of being lukewarm. Man, God's calling me to live one way, but the world's way is so great in the flesh. And so what's happening here? Well, I'm torn. But really, what's happening on the inside? I'm divided in my allegiance. Achan, what's going on? He became divided in his allegiance to God. Same is true in our uh, uh, workplaces, our marriages. This was always so important. If you're, if, if you're married, looking to get married, your dating relationship, man, not strive in an unhealthy way, but seek out and intentionally, purposefully sow seeds of unity. Because through great trial, through great tribulation, through large mountains in life, many things can be accomplished if you'll be willing to walk kind-hearted, walk in humility. I do like to uh, say a couple things as I end. <laughs> Unity doesn't mean you always see eye to eye. Unity doesn't mean your opinion doesn't matter. Unity doesn't mean you just walk along blindly in a toxic culture or a toxic relationship and never have the hard conversation. Unity does mean you intentionally look for things that bring you and others together. It means you value others ahead of yourself. And it means you don't operate with a selfish ambition or a vain conceit, but you're willing to celebrate others. Unity can be underrated, but in the kingdom of God, I don't believe it's ever lost its importance to God who models unity with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad Jesus followed through on his father's will. <laughs> he didn't just think, hey, I kind of like this place. No, he willingly laid down his life so that you and I can be reconciled to the heart of the father. Now we get to operate in unity. So we end, we pray, but here's the question, as uncomfortable as it may seem. You have the whole week to have personal reflection time. You have the whole week to take a moment each day and get with God and say, Lord, I heard the message on Sunday. Here's my heart. I want to be a person who sows seeds of unity. Which arena of my life is in discord? Which area of my life is operating in disunity God, that I'm, 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 I'm falling short. Help me see that. First step the Holy Spirit always does is he makes us aware. He doesn't fix us in the moment. He makes us aware. And then we have to choose. Hey, I'm going to willingly, I'm going to willingly lay myself down. Lord, have your way in me. I do this. It isn't easy. Listen, I have great quiet times with God. But sometimes my flesh is like, not again. Not again. 
We were just there yesterday. Why do you keep going back to the quiet place? And I'm like, I need it. My kids need it. <laughs> My wife <laughs> needs it. Here's what I've realized. I need it. Because it's in those sacred spaces that the Lord can meet with us. And he can love us and tenderly heal us and begin to transform us into Christ-likeness. You know this about Jesus. You know this. He didn't agree with everything. He was a big critiquer. He laid some things out. He was on the mission of the Father. But how many of you know, he not only practiced, he modeled unity where other people had created divide. Hey, I'm going to go reach the lost. I'm going to go reach the marginalized. I'm going to go take this grace to the farthest, darkest places in these cities. What was he doing? He was unifying hearts to the Father. God calls for you and I to operate in the same way in our marriages, in our individual relationships. Man, let's be people who practice unity. Amen?